0: everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I am here once again with Howard Tybel. What do you think, Pete? Is this working for you?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, it's... No one it, knows what we're talking about. It's no, Howard.
0: Howard, uh, Howard has come to me with uh, with a, a goatee, a full goatee, not just, well, a, chin, not not just a chin strap. No, it's actually not that full. Not yet. And it's coming in. It's distinguished. Uh, it's a <laughs> distinguished steely here. gray, and so it oh, doesn't yet stand oh, out know. from your face enough. It needs to be longer, like yeah. a Walt Mossberg kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, and I so I start growing it, and you shave yours. I shaved the whole you thing. You didn't even tell me that you were going to do I was hoping that we would, between this and the Apple Watch... <laughs> Which is fantastic. Don't
0: get me started. You're you're
1: very happy about that. I am very happy about. It.
0: Do you know what the problem was? Is that my kids stopped kissing me again. That's why I shaved my beard in the first place. I had children and they
1: stopped kissing me goodnight because it was too. Guess scratchy. What? No one kisses me. It.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm waiting <laughs> for the window. You- I'm waiting for that window you to have close. To wait <laughs>
1: another ten years for that window to close. I'm still asking for the kisses, but not, not a chance. You're not going to get kisses from a 20 year old or a 17 year old. Understandable. My wife says that to me now. She she'll come in and she oh, says, "Oh yeah. my goodness, the twenty oh, year olds yeah.
0: in your office think you're the coolest." <laughs> and you, you have to
1: lie to my wife too if you ever talk to her. How good mm. you think this looks? Oh, I, well, you know me. I'm a it facial looks, hair guy. I think it looks great. Exactly. You just, even if it doesn't. Even if it doesn't. Perfect. What do I and care? A. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So here we are on the on the verge of September.
0: Tis the season, right? I mean, uh, are you finding your uh, your clients going back to school? Are they crazy? Is it sort of hair on fire uh, mode right now? My
1: clients are always crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> what's what's different now is you can feel the the slow move. It's almost like this. Everybody's beginning to drink their coffee again, right? Like, oh, oh yeah. God, I got to get back into it. And some are already back into it. Uh, I got a call this morning, and you, you, you know that you're not fully back into it when the person on the phone says to you, Did I wake you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. Sadly, I had just, no. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm very sad. This was the first day. This was the first day I set my alarm back to, uh, back to school hour. It's tough. Uh, it's it tough is, getting up that early. It is tough. And, and so it feels like that's, uh, that's pretty much the month of September. Is yeah. re-adjusting, Recover- recovering. It is re- it's yeah. recovery. Yeah, that's right. That's- so we figure out what to do every day. And you know, we had such a great conversation last week. Do you remember it last week at all, or is it still hazy, a hazy mist in your
1: in your mind? I, I, the only thing I remember is our conversation from the last week.
0: That's the way I want it. Every week, exactly. uh, the we talked about the uh, AGB Conclave meeting and this whole conversation about turning leaders into guides, and that was a great conversation. And it got me thinking about your decision making model. It's been a while since we've done a decision making model update, mm-hmm. uh, and and I was inspired by our conversation last week, uh, and looking at your decision making model because I have it, you know, framed above
1: my bed. And, <laughs> I, uh, and I and I don't got want me. to hear what kind of decisions you have to be thinking about above your bed. It it's that,
0: and it's the uh, the the uh, ISO nine thousand specification, and uh, it's very complex uh, ceiling yeah. ceiling work. That was a good da- segue, Pete. Da Vinci would be proud. Uh, and so I'm thinking that there is uh, a, a question comes up to me: Is there a consideration for leading? A decision making process when your responsibility in the room as a guide is to ensure that decisions are being made mm-hmm. when you have no authority or no skin in the decisions themselves. And that, I imagine, for the members of this conclave meeting, uh, was uh, probably uh, something lingering in the back of their minds. And then it got me thinking, hey, that's what you do every day. Do we need to talk about how that integrates into the decision-making model? And then you said, you know what, I've got more to talk about
1: than that. And that catches everybody up to where we are right now. I would have loved to have been around when... Cohen and Bradford were sitting around over coffee, and they said, somebody had this epiphany and said, how about a book title called Influence Without Authority? And Because everyone's using that today. I mean, that became the way anybody who doesn't have people that report to them uh, need to start thinking about that we do naturally. And I think at the heart of even leadership conversations, it's about influence, in often case, without authority. So, you know, back to this question of uh, leading a a project, but you're not, you don't have the authority to make the decisions, but you're responsible for moving them forward. I think at the heart of the decision-making model is is that in itself is the reason why people need to have a framework to follow. Uh, So I would say that that For anybody playing a role of helping other teams or if you're on a team and your job is to ensure something moves forward. As a matter of fact, I'd want to have – I'd want to focus more on the influence piece than the authority piece because the authority piece just means I can make you do something. And having influence and authority are both – There are times you have to do this, but I would say the majority of the time we have to shepherd people through a process. And the decision-making model, in my view, is a way to get people to have that conversation. And all the person who has influence has to do is make sure these conversations are being raised that follow these seven particular steps. Does that answer your question?
0: Well, I think so. I, but it gets back to this, um, you know, this issue of making sure that the conversations keep moving and that they are driven toward a result. Right, eventually, you want a decision to be made. Whether well, you it, know, it's you fascinating
1: know, about that, about driven to a result. So, I want to be leading a cabinet meeting, and I was having a conversation with the provost, and the provost and the chief business officer, both have the similar commitment, but he was so clear with me, we gotta have this guy on the show too at some time, he was so clear with me that his goal, and he knows it, is not to make decisions. As a matter of fact, to the people he has around him, he's much more interested in having the dialogue around principles than he is around decisions. And he's no he knows that this the the business officer, he is going to focus on decisions and not principles. So there's this, when it's done well, it's a healthy tension. When it's done poorly, there is the kind of frustration that shows up where one person keeps talking about, let's let's make sure we understand the overarching principles about who we want to be and where we want to go. To people who focus on getting things done, uh, from the point of view of sort of a business perspective, it feels to them like it this is a a procrastination uh, and it 's not. I think that there's value so much value in both mindsets, but this is partly the the problem we get into around making decisions and you know as i as I talk more and more to people outside of the administrative offices, the deans, the chairs, the provosts. They think this is useful, but I think they also find that it's too linear, and and there needs to be more room for the for the robust dialogue that doesn't lead to an outcome. Which for me is tough because my job, in a sense, is often, "What are we trying to get to?" and uh, and I have to slow down myself in this
0: so let's let's can you just walk through and we' have done a detailed uh, review of the decision making model on this podcast. I'll put a link to that show in the show notes for this one. Uh, but can you walk through the decision making model uh, briefly and then talk about where that reflection happens? where is the guide going to stop and ensure that the decisions are that we're working toward a decision but we're making sure we're being in, as introspective as we need to be yeah. and still leading through the process?
1: So I think the big epiphany for people, and, and by the way, thank you for clarifying uh briefly because you're because you know I can just go on, right? Incessantly. Is man, that your point? Man, so i and, and, and how. how. <laughs> see? I got I I'm I'm with you. The process is fundamentally simple. It's instead of focusing on what we want to do, it starts with why we want to do it. And there's three big why things to evaluate. One why is what is the really underlying problem we're trying to solve or the opportunity we're trying to create? And that often is what gets us to the table, gets us to sit down and have a conversation. Then there is why is this important to get right, right? See, it's different to say, here's the thing that gets us to sit down and which uncovers the, the problem. And there's a whole methodology around problem finding versus problem solving. But then there is, why should we why do we really need to get this right and asking why from the, that perspective and and that really leads to the the big overarching question which is if we were successful at whatever it is we're trying to do what does that look like and those things are the foundation for then digging into the next thing which is okay how are some ways we could solve this Versus why we should solve it. And then finally, once you dig into the how, which is the brainstorming, the third big piece is, what are we going to do? See, Most and that, people, uh, Go ahead.
0: It's those first three, right, that seem to me like the first big challenge for somebody who's making a transition from leader to guide, where their instinct might be to step in and participate at a level that they they are not invited to participate.
1: Yeah, so... So, let, so you're suggesting if if you're being brought in to help with something as a guide, right? Right. In the in the context of, for example, being a uh, maybe, a consultant. Right, even. Maybe you're a consultant. Maybe
0: you're just somebody who's brought in from another department to help you right. know, facilitate a process.
1: You know what? And this is a great point because this is what this is what I focused on with the University of Washington. They're building a whole cadre of individuals whose job it is to help other departments, and that approach requires permission to say, listen, before we focus on what we want to do, can we be clear about why we need to get this right? And if we were successful, what does it look like? I cannot tell you overwhelmingly how many people uh, end up walking away saying that was the most important part of this. Because most of us as type A personalities – Right? We want to just get, figure out why you're laughing. Is that because, me? Or you're I'm sorry. I thought you said my name. Yeah. Was, <laughs> most of us, like Pete Wright, <laughs> who are type A personalities, want to focus on what are we going to do? Right. And we have an and, opinion. Yeah. And the reason why you can get away with this and other people can get away with it is when the decision doesn't involve others, it's a non issue. But if it's going to affect others, or if you need others on a team to participate, the why is critical and the understanding whether they get the why is critical. So I I think that this is a simple yet difficult thing to do, which is let's understand the why before we understand the how we're going to do it. And then let's focus on what there is to do. The, you know, I ask people, why do you, why is this so hard to do? And they say a number of things. Uh, one of which I think it is the most surface uh, justification is time. People are people discover when they learn this. This requires patience. Oh yeah, no, I'm right? not good at that. Exactly, and 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 also we have an arrogance. I think about. I know what there is to do. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to involve other people. I mean, I'm only going to do that because I want to get their buy-in. But I know what the answer is. I mean, why should I bother having this long drawn out conversation when, in fact, I understand the problem, I know how we're going to solve it, and I got to move on to my 20 other
0: problems. Right. And so they rush the process. But I and and I think that last one is is most important. It's not like we have a whole bunch of. Leadership sociopaths, right? Who just you know, they really uh, are. I think,
1: yeah. There's a there's a, minimal, a sense
0: of, of efficiency. A few sociopaths. Yeah, there's few. There's you, just you a couple. And I have met just a few. Just a few. Statistically, we I'm sure have met some <laughs> of them. Uh, but any, any case, th- there is a sense that this other this early stuff is like, oh, let's just move through it. We all agree there's a problem. We all know what it is. Yeah, let's yeah, just get yeah, through. Yeah, let's yeah, get to the
1: yeah. yeah. It's, it's the yeah, 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 yada, yada, yeah. Can we get to who's going to do what and or who, how are we going to get this done? And here's the other funny thing is when you have the authority person in the room, the authority person in the room who raises a problem or says, here's what I want to do. They assume that everybody in the room understands who should do it, how it's going to get done and by when. And then they come back three weeks later and they're pissed off. It's like I thought I was clear about what I wanted, and nothing happened. And this is the painful wake-up call for lots of leaders, which is leaders who have a people that report to them, is they assume if they open their mouth, people understand what they want, when they want it, and who should do it. And I can tell you, nine times out of ten, the people you're talking to who are nodding their heads, you know, in this appearance of, like, they get it, they don't get it. They, they don't really get don't it. get it.
0: They're probably scared to raise their hands and say something. Yes, yeah.
1: they don't. They don't want to look. They don't want to be the one in the room that that appears. Uh, you, you know what it is? It's, it's sort of like I think the assumption is okay. Then when the meeting is over in fifteen minutes, I'm going to go. I'm going to think about this, and I'll figure it out. But I'm not going to come off. It's it's almost like I think people don't want to come off as high maintenance. So they keep their mouth shut. That's interesting.
0: So the the implication there is that people go back to their desks and essentially reprocess
1: the meeting. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to in the moment going, uh, excuse me, Mr. or Mrs. Boss. uh, Here's what I understand you're asking. Bum, 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 bum. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so what I'm not sure about is who's going to do it. Now think about what it takes to do that, the boss is not going to do that. The boss is, not, and I tell I tell people who in authority, presidents or people that anyone that has people that report to them. I'll say, listen, after you speak, turn to your group or individual and say, I mean, this is fundamentally what I'm asking them to do, but it's hard to do this. So you know, I tell you to do something, Pete. Right? Okay. And I say, right. So then I'll say afterwards. So Pete, could you repeat back to me? What it is you heard me? Say. That sounds. I mean, how annoying are you? Are you? Aren't you annoyed by that? It, I'm super annoyed by it. I'm
0: incredibly annoyed by it, and yet I see how powerful it is. Because if you <laughs> you ask me to repeat your last sentence from just a second ago, I probably couldn't listening. at this point. That's I wasn't because even, you're not listening. That, well, I, you're right. That's well, a rarely. That's, That's a whole, whole different problem. problem. But you know, I totally comes. get. I totally get what it is because I'm already interpreting, and just the act of oh. being challenged yes. uh, on that is.
1: Well, see, that's the problem. Is it comes yeah. off to you as a challenge? As a challenge. When it's not, but it's not a challenge. It's a, it's a recognition that the receiver may or may not have got it. How right. do we validate that? And I think we make lots of assumptions because we're smart people. You know, you, you get paid a nice salary. You got, you're in this job. You made it through the the the. You haven't screwed up too badly yet. You must be able to understand my request. And I'm telling you, it's so funny. This is why things break down in groups because we don't validate what's going on. At the heart of this process, it is a way of understanding what conversation you're in. Think about that. Ten people in a room, ten people are thinking they're in a different conversation. You put this in front of them. And you say, all right, we just had the conversation about why it's important. Let's now have a conversation about what the success looked like. The whole group then is centered around a question as opposed to without a framework, we are having brainstorming conversations with decision-making conversations with people challenging what the problem is with people being confused. And we don't even know what conversations we're in. So in some sense, this template I have found for those who have the discipline to use it, and by the way, that in itself is hard to get. Uh, people love the idea in the workshops. They go, "Oh, I'll use this." I, I bet you so few people actually pull this out, stick it on a stick it in front of people, and go, "We're going to follow this process." Why? It 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 almost feels like it's. Uh, I think people are afraid of patronizing each other, right? Yeah, that's fine. Like I can do this. We. I've been making decisions my whole life. I don't, I don't need a process to follow. But behind closed doors, one-on-one, I can tell you most people would say, this is really, really helpful. Them having the courage to execute this, put it in front of their boss and say, can we use this? I think most people are shy to do that. And that, that's, that's where you can stand out as, a, uh, as an influencer in your, in your work, is, that, is to have, in a sense, more courage. You know, I have to push myself to have more courage in situations, uh, whereas I would sit on my hands or maybe not say something, be willing to speak up. And mm-hmm. that is the number one thing that can make such a difference in terms of having great impact is be willing to speak up and say something that you might be uncomfortable saying, but I'm telling you, other people are thinking it in the room.
0: What, is it, what does a team meeting look like uh, for a team that has fully adopted the decision-making model and is is practiced at it.
1: Well, th- without question, they've got the ability to have robust conversations while being efficient. So, so that's I, I I feel like we can't understate that. Yeah, think about I mean because a robust conversation, the fear is too much conversation leads to inefficiency, too much efficiency leads to insufficient robust conversation. Mm-hmm. This allows you to have robust conversation, but then efficiently move through the conversations you need to have. So the groups I've seen use this have 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 been have walked out of meetings, I mean, fundamentally saying that wasn't a waste of time. Ugh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. How many meetings are a waste of time? Yeah. And now we're doing more and more over video. I mean, I, I've i been really practicing facilitating through video, and you can do it. You can do it really well. You need you need good technology. You need to use some tools to do this, and I have my writing tool, taking control of screens. Uh, but I can tell you that so many meetings are just a waste of time, mm-hmm. and and that's because we don't know the conversation that we're in. That's at the heart of it, Pete.
0: I uh, I love that, and you know what? I think I need to. Uh, I I want to get that tattooed uh, somewhere discreetly on my person. Understand <laughs> what conversation you're in. I mean, if that's not a mantra for just daily life,
1: can you tell me right now where you think you'd put that? Discreetly? Don't you think it
0: would be don't you, Don't you think it would be a good like collar around my arm, like around my bicep, like I like a. It could look like a bramble. It would be. I don't know. You might no, have to go. It no wouldn't. It would go around
1: uh, too many times. Maybe that's the problem. I think. You should, I think you should just have the tattoo that says, "What's the problem? <laughs> what's, what's your What's, what's your, your problem? problem? <laughs> what's your problem? You just raise it when you're having a difficult conversation with me, right? Yes. You just, what's you your just, problem? You know, <laughs> your problem.
0: I love it. Uh, as always, I'm glad that we had this conversation, Howard. I'm glad that I got me to too. surprise you with uh, just, with a topic. It's today. a Good idea. Yeah. You gave me the top. You it's know, fantastic. Occasionally, you know, every once in a while, you blind squirrel, me. blind squirrel, <laughs> blind finds squirrel. a nut. Uh, this has been a real treat, Howard Teibel, Um Any other announcements we have coming up? Uh, special events? Anything coming up right now? I think uh, the next big one's coming up in
1: October. Uh, we'll talk about that yeah. soon. It- yeah, we'll talk about that soon. Yeah. Ikubo, and then I'm doing something for Nakubo, and lots of really cool stuff coming. I, it's 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 a new year, Pete. I know, new year, new things. And, you know, and keep your fingers crossed that you know the the stock market because we're recording this on a Monday, and you know this is Black Monday in China, so this is this is not a pretty. Uh, this is not a pretty day for a lot of people overseas. It is not.
0: No comments about that. I, I am actually still thinking very much about our friends in Tianjin who are still rebuilding after that massive explosion Ooh, from oh. a couple of weeks ago. And so that's that's the kind that's, of crash that, that I really feel strongly about. I think the market will recover. Every, these other th- humans. Think about the humans in your life.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing how that goes in the news. I was so focused on that for a while. And then the next news item comes out and it becomes like, you know, the old story. But you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Well, thanks for ending on a high note. As hey,
0: you and you, as you do. Uh, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. Uh, you can find us at Tybalink.com, uh, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast for free there. You can find us on iTunes, and, um, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, find Howard Tybel at Howard Tybel on Twitter, uh, or just, you know, I'm at Pete Wright. I'd love to hear from you, too.
1: Yeah, Pete's what feeling you lonely. Like? Got- you need to reach out. People need to reach out to Pete. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and on behalf of our Tybal, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal